So thanks for being here today. My name is Jeff Kerr. I'm the pastor here along with Christy, who is leading worship today. Um, just want to welcome you to Homestead Church. We're glad that you're here. If you're new, we'd love to meet you after the service. We're going to continue on in the book of Exodus. We've been in the book of Exodus for about six weeks now. Um, we're going to be at the end of chapter 15 and the start of chapter 16 today. Um, but I wanted to start with this picture. There's a picture I was looking on the news, and there was this picture. You can't really see it in the, in the bright room here. It, it kind of looks like the Death Star, but it's not the Death Star. <laughs> hey, any idea what that is? I was reading an article this week that was super interesting. That's an asteroid that had, was discovered in 1852, and it, they, the astronomers have named it 16 Psyche is the name of the asteroid. And... Um, it is a five-year orbit around the Earth. So it's just this asteroid that's floating around the Earth, and they discovered it. Who, know, you know, who knows how long it's been there, but it, they discovered it in 1852. Um, the unique thing about this asteroid is that it is comprised mostly of iron and nickel, like metals that we would have here. In fact, it's so much of it, and those are valuable metals, that the actual value of this planet, if you just took the iron and the nickel cash value today, it would be worth 10,000 quadrillion dollars. So that's a 10 with 18 zeros after it. Now, some of you smarty pants are like, well, actually, if you put, cashed it out, it would flood the market and then all the prices would drop and it would be worth hardly anything. I get it. But I was reading that this week. I was just thinking of that this week. And especially as we talked about the offering, we'll take the offering at the end of service today. I just thought it was so interesting how we love to start thinking about the world as like finite resources. We think of our own personal finances this way or the way God's going to provide and we're like, oh, there's not enough. But yet there's this asteroid floating around out there worth about a hundred times the global economy. It's just sitting out there. And so I, I, got a, I got a chuckle out of that this week and not to over-spiritualize the, uh, the astronomy world, but I'm like, man, we just have no idea how God can provide, right? So I wanted to encourage you with that as we start this message. It's actually a little bit of what we're going to talk about today. But as Colonel mentioned, we take offerings here, tithes and offerings. There's ways for you to give. We thank you for that. And I just wanted to encourage you with that today. Don't fall into the trap of thinking that, oh, i got to hang on to as much as I can because there's only so much. You know, a game of Hungry Hungry Hippos where there's only so many marbles and you got to get as many as you can. Um, we got way, we have a God who can provide in ways we've never even dreamt of. So I wanted to encourage you with that. So we're picking up the story. And in uh, the end of chapter 15 of the book of Exodus. And this is after, so we've talked about the plagues, talked about the Passover, and then the Israelites getting freed from Egypt where they were slaves. And Pharaoh in Egypt says, you can go free. And so they're free. Then they come up to the Red Sea. And God, you know, just piggybacking on the end of that story we talked about, God, what you'll notice him doing now is the Israelites are free. Even when they just leave Egypt, God is directing them strategically in ways that are not the most efficient or the most that make the most sense to human thinking. If they're trying to get to the promised land, God is leading them in different ways. And even up to the Red Sea, God directs them to go over here, marching toward the Red Sea. It's almost like God's leading them to a dead end. God is intentionally leading the Israelites to these different spots and positions and circumstances because he's not just about getting from point A to point B the most efficiently and as quickly as possible, he has a bunch of lessons that he wants to teach the Israelites. So that first one, he leads them out of Egypt, and they wander around, and then they start turning back towards Pharaoh's army, and then they're stuck between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army. And we talked about this the last couple of weeks. That's when the Red Sea parted. 
I imagine that was a moment where God was teaching the Israelites, okay, you think the enemy is coming to get you. You have no idea how I can deliver you. He's teaching them how to trust him. These, is, these Israelites that have been in Egypt for generations and generations and generations, they don't know the, what it is to have a relationship with Yahweh, with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he is like introducing himself to this generation of Israelites, and he is teaching them, you need to trust me. Even when it seems like the path is going off course, you need to trust me. Even when it seems like there's an enemy and we're stuck and we're done for, you need to trust me. And that's really the lesson that continues on. That's what we're going to talk about today. This is the lesson that continues on. After the great Red Sea moment the Israelites walk through and Pharaoh's army is, you know, the Red Sea collapses on them and truly Israel is free. Now, I wanted to pick up uh, the story in the end of chapter 15 of the book of Exodus. This is right after the Red Sea moment. It says this in Exodus 15, verse 22 through 26. Then Moses led, the, led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. Again, this is God leading them strategically through this desert. Three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That's why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it in the water, and the water became fit to drink. Then the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. Again, this is what I'm talking about. God is testing them. God is teaching them to trust him. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. So again, just this moment here where we start this message today, this is another, I guess I'll call it the scenic route that God is leading the Israelites on. It's not a direct route. He's intentionally leading them into this desert. God knows there's not going to be water to drink there. He is leading them, not the direct route. Have you ever been on a, were you family vacation people where either mom or dad were stop on the side of the road for every little scenic outlook you know, hey, kids, let's, let's stop over. Kids, it's the world's oldest hot dog stand. We got to see it. And the kids are like, Ugh. are you the scenic route? Like, stop every time you see it? That is Christy for sure. I am not. I am like, let's get there. Let's get there. We can relax once we're there. Um, let's keep moving. This is what God is doing. He intentionally leads them into the desert. He, there's not water there. You, I, I look at the story of the Israelites, and we often give a bad rap to the Israelites for good reason sometimes. But this one, it's not like they're being unreasonable. They've escaped from Egypt. God is providing. And now they've gone three days without water. So this is not a minor inconvenience. This is life and death moment. Right? God, you're leading us. We're trusting you, but there's no water. And we're going to be dead soon if there's no water. God is, again, leading them into that moment. Trust me in this. Trust me that I will provide. Continuing on, Exodus 16, verse 1 through 4. Another situation where God is leading them the scenic route. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin. Right away, we know we don't want to spend too much time there. Which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. 
There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve the entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them to see whether they will follow my instructions. Okay, again, you see how God is leading, teaching, and testing. Leading them to this moment where there's no food. I also highlight, here's one instance where I do think the Israelites deserve a bit of a bad rap. Just because they see their difficult circumstances and what they do and what we love to do is we see negative circumstances and we equate that with God is not with us. Things are hard, so God is not with us. And to the point where the Israelites even say, we wish we were back in Egypt. We had food there. We had meat. We had water. If I were Moses, I'd be like, and you were slaves. And you were beaten and mistreated. And you were not free to do anything. But isn't it just like us to think, oh, you know, things are hard. And God, why couldn't, you know, what are you doing? You're doing things wrong. This is another moment. God is teaching them. Don't turn your gaze away from me. Don't, don't associate difficult circumstances with God's presence or God's ability to provide for you. And so God does this. He provides in a way that they couldn't ever imagine. He rains down bread from heaven. I want to stop here just for a minute. I think there's a lot of us that get stuck in that moment of um, not only viewing God as faithful when our life is easy, but really an easy, comfortable life is almost the God that we are seeking. We are trying to get rid of any sort of lack, any sort of conflict. Um, our idea of a, of a life that is safe is just security, make sure we have enough money, make sure we've provided for ourselves, make sure we're far away from the conflict. And if we can do all of these things, then God is good and life is good. And what God is teaching the Israelites and what God wants to do in me and you today is teach us this very important lesson. It's not about avoiding difficult things. It's not about avoiding the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army. It's not about avoiding the desert and having season where there's no food. What it is is finding strength in the midst of whatever season. So when you're in front of the Red Sea, rather than thinking God is not with us and we're done for, you recognize, no, we are following God's leading, so therefore we are the most provided for, the most safe, the most secure that we could ever be. Even when we're between the Red Sea and Pharaoh, even when we're in a desert where there's no water or there's no food, when we are walking with God, that is the most safe and provided for that we will ever be. Amen? We have this backwards thinking of, I got to get this, and if I could just get this much in the savings and this much in the bank account, and I, I'm preaching to me today. I look at my life over the last, you know, 23 years that we've been married. When we first got married, I would have said, man, if we could just have, if we could just have $500 in the checking account, I would feel so much less pressure, right? Well, here we are 23 years later. I've got more than, more than $500 in the checking account, right? God is good. But the pre if I looked at my financial reality now as a 22-year-old, I would have been like, oh, at that point, there's got to be no pressure at all. But I still feel it. That's that moving target of if I could just get this. We've got a world full of people. We've got billionaires in the world who are going to think, if I could have another billion, I would finally feel like everything is covered. 
that never goes away. We have to switch that thinking to think, I am walking with the God who has promised to protect and provide, and that is everything I need. And there should be a rest and a peace that comes with that. This is what God is teaching the Israelites. When you are in a difficult season, God is at work. God is teaching you something. Now, I want to make this disclaimer because sometimes you're in a difficult season only because you've made terrible decisions and that has led you there. So don't think because you've messed up your life, you're like, well, God, you brought me here. You know, what are you trying to teach? I think God would say we're trying to teach you to make better decisions. There's that. But there's also times where in every circumstance you can look to God and say, what am I supposed to learn? How can I grow? How are you teaching me in this? This is what God wants to do. Not avoid the struggles, but have strength in the midst of the struggles. And we understand this, parents, we understand this with our kids, don't we? So so many times I look at the, the Israelites' relationship with God, and there's so many similarities to parents and kids. Because, you know, one of the parent-kid debates these days is, well, we just want our kids to, you know, be safe and protected. So parents are running around, and if you are involved in teaching kids or coaching kids, you know parents, the helicopter parents or I think they now call them the snowplow parents, where it's like, get any problem out of the way of my kid and hover and keep my kids safe and protected. We don't want anything hard to happen to them. And so the debate then is, well, no, we as parents, one of the good things we can do is teach our kids resilience. Teach them that you can try these things and you might fail and get up and try again. And it's going to take hard work and there's going to be times that are difficult and you can get through it. We understand this, right, parents? And this is, we might fall on different ends of that spectrum. But there is a, a third option as parents, that's a way better way than protecting or teaching them to be resilient. The best thing we could do for our kids, sure, we don't want them looking for other people to solve all their problems. We want them to look, you know, to be able to solve some problems themselves. But ideally, the best thing that we would want for our kids is kids that say, I want to walk closely with God. I want to, I want my kids to be raised up as kids that know how to listen to the voice of God know how to listen to whatever season and situation they're in, they're going to look to their heavenly father and say, God, what are you working on? How can I honor you? I know you're going to provide and keep me safe. This is what we, this is like the ideal for us as parents raising our kids. This is what God is doing to the Israelites, taking them on the scenic route, right? Teaching them to trust him. And if you read more and more about this this bread that God rains down from heaven. They're in the desert. They're saying, we don't have any food. And God says, I'm going to rain down bread from heaven. It's actually not like a metaphor. It's an actual bread, you know, falling from heaven. It's manna. And maybe you've heard that. Manna. It's what God provided. It would, in the morning, there would be like this dew on the ground. And it would, you know, as it would dry up, there'd be like these flakes that they would make into this bread. And that, every morning, they would wake up and there was manna. And it is so significant as you read this story how God provides this. Does God say, here it is, take as much as you can. Is it like toilet paper at Target where it's like as soon as it's on the shelf, people are lining up the station wagon to pack as much in there because it might run out and we need to have it. What does God say? Today, take what you need for today. And tomorrow, trust that I will provide for what you need tomorrow. But our tendency is to be like, we need more, gimme, 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 take as much. Kids, stick some manna in your pockets and we'll like see if we can sneak it by God. God is providing daily, the term daily bread. This is where it comes from. God says, gather what you need for one day. And he knows our tendencies is to think, oh, I'm going to need as much as I can. 
And it's the understanding. And the people that took more than they needed, the next day it was rotten, was no good. And God was over and over trying to teach the Israelites. They'll say, how long will it take for you to trust me that when I say there will be food tomorrow, you can trust me that there will be food tomorrow. All you need to worry about is today. All you need to gather for is today. Well, eventually, and you and I would be the same thing. They're like eating bread every day. They're like, this is it's a little old, right? How about some meat? And so God says, I'm going to provide meat every day. And the quail, these birds that they can eat, they fly in every night. So every morning they wake up, there's manna on the ground. Every evening, dinner flies in and lands on the ground, right? This is what God is doing. Again, let's look at uh, 16 verse 13 through 18 here. That evening, quail came. These are the birds and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. And when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? But they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person that you have in your tent. And the Israelites did what they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. Again, this is they took what they needed for the day. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. God was providing what was needed. And it looked differently for each family. It looked differently for each person. But this is God teaching his people. And this is the lesson I want to get today is there is, like I talked about, that difference of thinking of I got to provide for myself versus when we can step back. There is a, there's a rest that comes when we can step back, just in the area of finances in our life, where we can step back and we say, God is providing for me. Just think of all the stress. I'm, again, I'm preaching to me here. The stress that comes up with, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? The rest that comes when we can say, I have what I need, and God is going to provide. I have what I need for today, and tomorrow God is going to provide for what I need tomorrow. Just the weight that comes off of you when you're able to do that, right? Just the weight that comes off when we just rest in the capable, providing hand of our loving God. There is a stress that comes in us. There's stress in our world stemming from people who are just trying to do God's job for them trying to provide for themselves, trying to make themselves secure, protect themselves. They're working so hard and they're stressed out because they're doing all the stuff that God says, I'm taking care of this for you. Just walk with me. And not only walk with me, rest. Right around here, the same time as when God in, uh, starts teaching them about the Sabbath. And he says, okay, on the day before the Sabbath, you can gather two days worth of food because on the Sabbath, you're not going to gather food that day. Again, Teaching, our tendency would be, well, if I can gather this much in six days, in seven days, my productivity just went up, you know, whatever percent that is. I'm not a math major. But we think, like, I can maximize the time and get more. And God is teaching. Take a day to rest. So that the Sabbath lesson for us is take a day to rest and not work, but also rest from this idea that you got to maximize every minute of every day in order for you to feel secure financially or any other way. Does that make sense? This is what God is teaching. And this area of life, providing for ourselves, is how God is teaching us things today. This is how we can practice our trust in God. He is providing. So I want to talk a little bit about resources and finances today because it's just in this lesson. Now, 
Some of you are new to the church and you're like, oh, here we go. Here goes, I finally want to go to another church and they're always talking about money. I know there is skepticism and cynicism when churches talk about money because it has been mistreated. So I get it. And maybe you are a friend that finally got your neighbor to come to church and you're like, I can't believe he's talking about money today. (laughs) We're going to talk a little bit about this and I just want you to open your heart. We're not taking an act. We are you know, collecting an offering at the end, but this is not to stiff arm you with anything. We don't want your money today. What did he say? I'm going to take my check back. Um, here's what God did. He instituted a couple of things. He instituted the principle of the first and the principle of the tithe. And the first is this. As you grow Israel into a nation and you have herds and flocks and resources and you have a harvest and you have a way to provide for yourself, the first of the flock, I want you to give to God. Well, why the first? Because that takes a lot of trust. If you're a cattle rancher and you're raising cattle and you say, okay, the first one of the offspring I'm going to give to God, what you're doing is you're saying, well, when you have the first one that shows up, that's all you've got. All you have is the first one. And you give that to God as a pretty significant sacrifice of, I'm trusting that God's going to provide the rest. This is why God does that. Give the first of the flock, the first of the harvest. And then he institutes a tithe. The word tithe is a churchy word. It just means tenth. And one-tenth of what the people would bring in, they would give to God. So we practice that here. We teach about that here. We believe that is a, a great principle to abide by. There are a lot of people in our church that tithe. They give 10% of their income to the local church and to other ministries. And we do this because we say, I'm giving you the first. I know you're going to provide the rest. These are principles that we can apply to our life. So here's the deal about Homestead Church, okay? Everyone take a deep breath. This is just fine. We're just talking about money. And, I, and if you've been around Homestead, you know I make these disclaimers every once in a while. But I recognize there's lots of new people here. And you're probably just like, I can't believe they're, they're greedy church people. They're at it again. Pastor must need a new sports car or something. That's not anything like this, okay? I don't even have one sports car. I don't, I don't need a new one. We take an offering here at the church. We encourage people to tithe and to give. We'll collect it at the end of the service. A lot of people give online. We have other ways to give. Christy and I tithe. We tithe to the district office of the Assemblies of God. So we give a tenth of our income to the Assemblies of God. There are a lot of people here. The ministry of this, of this church is supported by people tithing and giving their offerings. It's what we do. It's what supports the church. Um, so my message today, and here's, I always need to make this disclaimer because I grew up in churches and people, and I was on staff at churches and I'd go visit places and they'd be talking about money. And it always felt to me, and maybe you're feeling this too, like, oh, they must need, you know, they must be getting ready for something or they must, they must need a new kid's pastor. So we got to talk about tithing and maybe the giving will increase. And there's, I don't, I'm not talking about tithing to get any money out of you. So I say that seriously. I don't want your money today. I don't want your money today. I'm not talking about tithing and giving to get your money. I fully believe, Christy fully believes, God is going to provide for Homestead Church. God is going to, if my ability to get a paycheck revolves around my ability to twist people into giving money, that's terrible. I'm the worst fundraiser in the world. That's not going to happen. I recognize that God is providing for this church. God is going to use somebody to provide for Homestead Church. Whether it's you or somebody else, God's going to use it. I'm not worried about that. I don't want your money today. I don't want you to feel like you're just here. And I think there's a damage that can be done when churches, this is a difficult balance because 
churches start seeing people that come in or are they tithing or are they giving? And then weird things can happen in a pastor's mind or a church staff mind when you start equating new people to your church with dollar signs, right? Well, if we have them and they look at the car they're driving, if they tithe on that, then we could, you know, that's, that's a terrible spot to be in, right? We've all experienced that. It's not like, I, I never want to be in the moment, and I never will, where someone's in the hospital, well, Pastor Jeff, we need someone, you need to go visit this person in the hospital. I'm like, what's the giving record here? Like, <laughs> send the intern, right? <laughs> send Colonel. Colonel can go visit him in the hospital. That's not it at all. We, and we never want to be to the point where we have new people coming or families leaving the church where we all of a sudden think, well, that's fine that they're leaving. Or, oh, no. they're Because then what happens is then people in the church start thinking, well, I tithe a large amount, so then I have more influence on what is happening in the church. It's all a mess. So we're going to put that to rest right now, and we're going to say, I don't want your money. God is providing. God doesn't want your money. God wants your heart. God is leading you through specific steps of obedience and devotion so he can see where your devotion is and where your heart is. He did it with the Israelites with water and food. And I believe he institutes this idea of giving and tithing as a way to just kind of reveal where our heart's at. Just kind of reveal. And I think there's a reason why some people are, again, a lot of people are cynical about money in church because it's been misused and there's a long track record of that. I think a lot of times what happens is we think we give churches a bad rap if we're talking about money because deep down, we don't like churches talking about money because deep down, we really like the money, right? We don't want people threatening that idol in our life. And here's a great, here's a hot tip. Here's inside information today. If there's ever a moment where someone's preaching, it doesn't have to be me, anybody, and, you're just, and the Holy Spirit's like poking at one of those idols in your life, you're going to resist, Have you ever taken a pacifier away from like a two-year-old? It's kind of that same thing. Like, don't mess with that. Don't mess with that area of my life. So if there's ever a moment where you're mad at a preacher, it might just be because it's bad preaching. But other than that, it's probably the Holy Spirit maybe poking at one of those idols. And that might be an indication of, why am I so frustrated about that? And it might be something. And money, of course, is one of the ways we do that. So none of this is so that Homestead can buy more stuff. Here's all my disclaimers. I over-disclaimer about this. We encourage people to give and to tithe as a way to walk through the journey that the Israelites were walking through. Do I trust that God is going to provide? Can I give the first? Can I give a tenth? Can I live generously? And here's the deal. We get stuck on, well, that was Old Testament, 10%. 10% today, New Testament, not really a tithe. We don't really worry about that. I agree. The 10% thing is not in the New Testament. You know what Jesus says the percentage is? 100%. This is the percentage that Jesus says, 100%. I want you to offer it all. You know the times where he asked the rich young ruler to sell everything? Because, and it's not that God is going to ask all of us to sell everything, but he might. He might ask all of us. He wants all of us to be living open-handed. God, I'll give it all away if you ask me to. This is the percentage that Jesus teaches. So all of that to say, This is about trust. This is about allowing God to do that work. This is about living our life under the economy of God where instead of gather, gather, gather and keep and keep and make sure we feel secure, it is reversing the flow. It's one thing I always say about resources in our life. God wants to provide for people. He wants to use other people to do that. He wants to use you. So he's going to give you resources so that you can flow those and live generously to other people. And God is looking for people who will do that, and he'll say, I can trust them. 
I can trust them. If God gives me resources and I'm like, thanks, and I'm going to hang on to this, God's going to say, I don't trust. He's not getting the flow of God's economy. This is how God works. He could just allow, he had money fall or a manna fall from heaven. He could just allow bags of money to fall on everyone's front yard like the government loves to do these days or the last several years, right? Yes. But for whatever reason, he chooses his church to flow resources to other people. And he wants you to be a part of that. And so when we allow and we live open-handed and say, God, just use everything that I have. I will live generously and obedient financially. God's going to say, I can trust them to steward resources well, and he's going to give you more resources. Not so that you can buy planes and cars and keep it for yourself. It is so that you can flow more resources where it's needed. This is what it is. Tithing, living generously. This is what it means to walk through the journey what the Israelites were of not keeping as much as I can for myself, but being willing to be used by God, being willing to trust God to say, I am going to be obedient to the economy that you have for my life, and I'm going to trust that you are going to provide in every way. We have several people in our church who have stories of God's faithfulness through this. Well, one of them shared their story on video. Dana Johnson shared her story on video, so I wanted to just show that to you right now. My name is Dana Johnson, and I've been attending Homestead for almost a year now. But about six years ago, I was a homeschooling stay-at-home mom, and then I went through a painful divorce and found myself um, raising three kids with no child support and no full-time job. So money was an issue for me, and I really wanted to try and find creative ways that I could be with my kids as much as I had them, and then when my kids were away from me, I would work as hard as I could to make money. But an area that I really struggled with was the area of the tithe. After all, God knew the state of my circumstances and the state of my finances. He, he knew that I struggled and I knew that he understood. When I was married, we tithed faithfully but it wasn't me writing the checks. And it wasn't that I was feeling like I had to put my faith out there. But when it was just me and just my few pennies, it's really where the rubber meets the road. So my kids and I started attending Homestead last year and about last fall sometime, Pastor Jeff was doing um, a sermon on the tithe. And I sat there in the service, feeling the prompting of the Holy Spirit that I need to take a step, a step of obedience and begin to tithe. And so I remember bringing my checkbook the next week, writing out a check for the tithe of what I'd made for that month. And at the bottom of the envelope, I remember writing something like, I'm sowing this seed by faith. So the next month, yeah, there it was again. So I wrote another check again the next month and again the next month. But I wasn't necessarily seeing results. I didn't really care about the results. I, I was really just trying to be faithful 
and to practice hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. About the middle of February, things started turning around in miraculous ways. I wasn't doing anything different. Um, I wasn't trying to make things happen as I diligently tried making things happen in the past that clearly were not working. All of a sudden, rivers that had been stopped up began to flow and things that were lost were now being recovered. But one of the areas that opened up for me, for instance, was some, some court-ordered awards that had been pending since 2018 um, were not coming through and um, even the court couldn't make them come through. But one day I get a phone call from an attorney saying, would you, would you accept a, um, a, you know, a lump sum award that had been pending for years? Sometimes I'd open the mailbox and there would be, there would be checks in there. And I think one day, in one day, there were $2,000 worth of checks in my mailbox. Like, how does that even happen? Things have made a turnaround in my finances and I, I, I can't attribute it to anything but the Lord. Dana's not at this service. I think she's coming to the next service. I do want to thank her for sharing her story. Um, and again, she, she said it. She said, well, I didn't see results right away, and I wasn't really looking for results. I was looking to be obedient to the Lord's voice. I don't show a video like that because I'm hoping offerings are going to go up or to get, to get results. Here's why we talk about stuff like this is because I want moments like that. We want, as a family that is a, a church family, we want everyone to grow. We want people to grow. And my favorite stories are, whether it's financially or some area of life, my favorite stories to hear are stories like Dana's or someone else who says, I took a step to put myself out there to trust God, and God came through. And then it like builds from there, kind of snowballs from there, right? And, then, and so how much more are we willing to take another step and see God come through? This is spiritual growth. This is growing in our faith. It's not just about the money. Money is one way that we can do that. I want more stories where we see God provide in ways that we never would have imagined. Is, is God at a shortage of ideas for how to provide for his kids? No, he's not. Imagine Moses with the Israelites trapped between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army. Now they have faith to know that God's going to do something. God said he's going to bring deliverance. I bet none of them were thinking this ocean behind us is about to split, right? I, ma I imagine they thought maybe God's going to, like, the army's going to fall down or something. But then when the ocean opens up, they're like, oh, like, everyone, nobody had that one. They, they may, if they had a pool, like, how do you think God's going to deliver us? Nobody had ocean parting, right? Ima walking through the ocean, imagine they're all of them thinking, wow, we had no idea God could provide like this. I'm so glad we listened to God. Imagine those Israelites in the desert hungry. I'll be like, whoa, it's actually raining bread right now. The food is falling from the sky. Dinner just flew in, everybody. Like, we didn't have that. You might be thinking, how is God going to provide in a quadrillion dollar asteroid's going to crash into your old Volkswagen or something like that. And you're like, I never even knew the Psyche 16 asteroid was up there, but look at how God provided. 
I want stories like that. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, the most fulfilled you will ever be in your life is when you step out in this way of trusting God, in a way that you can't manage it on your own, and you see him provide in a way you never imagined possible, more than we could ever ask or imagine how God loves you and wants to provide for you. When you have a moment like that, you're going to think this is the best. You're not going to want to spend your life doing anything else. I promise you, because you see the creator. We are wired to trust him and to follow him. And when we do that and we see him come through, whatever area it is with your finances, with your family and your marriage and your growing in your faith and whatever it is, when we see God provide, I promise you that's the most fulfilled you're ever going to be. That's the best way you can spend your day. So I want us to grow in that. I want us to experience a trust and a rest resting from this idea that we got to provide for ourselves, trusting that God is going to provide in every way. I recognize there are people here, the financial reality that you are walking through now is difficult. And so what we're praying for today is that God would allow you to feel peace and that he's going to provide. And there's going to be a time where you think it's just at the end. We can't go another day without food. The army's already here and something's going to happen. And you're going to be like, I, I can't believe God did that. I'm so glad I trusted that God was going to come through for me that way. Like he said, tomorrow I'm going to provide what you need tomorrow. As a church, we, we're a growing church. We have a lot of new people joining us. We have two services. We'll probably be looking. I mean, we don't have a huge building. So we're probably looking at adding a third service in the fall. Our church is growing, and we love that. And we want to continue to reach this community. We want all of us to continue to reach out to our communities with the love of Jesus Christ. And as we do that, we recognize people are going to come to our church, so we got to make some room. And this is not about Homestead Church being a big deal. I'm not trying to build an empire or anything like that. We're going to plant churches is one thing that we're going to do. We have other communities around us that don't have an Assemblies of God church that we want to be a part of that. We'd love to have Homestead churches, and maybe we could buy old 140-year-old bank buildings on the downtown of all of these things. I bet you there's a couple that are just ready to fall down, just like this one was. I already feel like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for that project again. There's communities that we would love to plant a church in. We're going to need leaders. We're going to need people who want to go pastor churches. We have this open lot right next to our building here. We're actually buying that. We're closing on it in a couple of weeks. Just because it's an open lot, the city owns it, and we want to have it just because we don't want someone else buying it. And we want to have room to expand. The, the next building over is an XL Energy kind of garage. And so we're trusting that God's going to provide that. XL Energy, they don't have deep pockets, right? We can snatch that out. Here's the deal. We want to expand this current facility. We want to plant churches. We have ministry that we want to do. And there's going to be times that we're asking people to take a step of faith with their finances, the way a group of us did when we raised money for this building. Uh, but none of this today is about us getting more. None of this is about, like, we got to build something bigger, and this is not what it's about. Today, this is about all of us growing in our trust of our providing Heavenly Father. Amen? This is what we're doing. This is about us stepping out, reversing the flow of resources where it's no longer about gimme, gimme, gimme. It's about how can I flow God's resources to other people. The best way to start is to recognize it's all God's resources anyways. Everything you have is God's. It's about reversing the flow. It's about living free from stress about resources and finances. And it's just about growing your faith and seeing God do some crazy awesome stuff in your life.
right? Don't we want to see that in your family? Don't you want your kids to grow up in a, in a growing faith that trusts that God's going to provide in every season? This is what I want. Trust and rest that he is providing and able to care for his kids. Amen? Here's what I want to do. I want to close in prayer. But before I do, before I pray today, let's bow our heads and pray. And I just wanted to read a few more verses from Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. And I'm praying this over your life and my life. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether or not you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. This is from Matthew chapter 6. This is Jesus talking. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothes? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not far more valuable than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory and splendor was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but you and your, your heavenly Father already knows your needs, all your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God above all, above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. God, we receive your promises today. First and foremost, God, I pray that all of us would feel just a rest, a release from any stress that we feel that when we try to do the job that you're supposed to do, providing for us. I pray that we just be able to release that and say, God, I trust that you're going to provide. Today I have what I need, and tomorrow's a new day, and you're going to do it again. I've seen you do it before. I trust that you're going to do it again. In every area of life, God, we want to open up our hearts to trust you more, to move out in faith, to grow in our faith, to open our lives and to offer everything we have to you and to see you provide for us and to see you do so many miracles through that offering, to see you minister to other people and provide for needs, that we get to be a part of meeting those needs. Lord, we want to live that life where we see you provide and we want to do it again. We step out again because we see you provide. We know that we're never going to outgive you, so we just keep offering everything we have. I pray that you would release people from stress. I pray for those who are in financial need right now. I pray that there would be more testimonies like we listened to Dana on the video of just that God provided in ways she never even imagined were possible. I'm praying that you would loosen things that are bound up. I pray that you would provide in ways that we never even imagined. I pray for those who are in need today that you would provide. But more than that, God, I pray that all of us, whether we have little or much, would walk out of here knowing it's all yours. You provide everything we have and we want to live open-handed for you and your kingdom. That's the work we want you to do in us today. So I ask that you would do that. You would bless us. Bless this church. Bless the families that are here. We pray for the future of this church, the future finances of the families that are here. We know that you have our days marked out and you are going to provide some God. God, we just ask that you would use us to do that, to minister to this community. We pray for increase in Jesus' name. We pray all these things. And everybody said, amen.
Amen. Thanks for being here today again.